0: Welcome to Broadway World's Some Like a Pop Podcast. I'm Matt Tamminenny, Broadway World senior TV and film critic. And as always, I am joined by the brains of our operation, Broadway World TV's Los Angeles Bureau Chief and expert scheduler, Jennifer McHugh. Jen, I'm glad that you logged on to Skype at the correct day and time. Thank you for that. Congratulations.
1: Am I bad at scheduling?
0: We'll see. You can follow Jen on Twitter at EponineQ. That's E-P-O-N-I-N-E-Q. And you can follow me at B-W-W-M-A-T-T. And you can read us both across various Broadway World sites, and you can also follow Some Like it Pop on Twitter at SLIP Podcast. We don't actually remember to ever do anything on there, but maybe someday you'll get a nice surprise in your Twitter feed. Not only can you find all episodes of Something Like it Pop on BroadwayWorld.com, but you can also get each new episode downloaded automatically via iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Also, if you don't hate us, rate and review the show so that Jen and I have something tangible to fill the hole where our hearts normally would be. On this episode, we are going to take a deep dive into each of the major television networks and see how they're doing up against their programmatic mission statements. And then, as is our or want we're gonna rank them we will also talk about a few things that either recently aired or recently began airing on television then we will wrap up the episode with a little show and tell so uh, Jen how was Hedwig
1: oh I get it yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm you glad were, we made that public
0: <laughs> I'm just I just generally we start this off with something that has to do with your with your real life and um
1: you I did a should. lot of things in my real life lately that were interesting. I'm glad we're focusing on this one.
0: Yeah, but this is the funniest. So go ahead and tell the story real quick.
1: I bought season tickets to the Pantages at, in Los Angeles. That's our um, main touring theater where tours come through. I literally only bought season tickets because it was the only way to guarantee a ticket for Hamilton. No one's surprised at that. Nope. The season began last week with the first show being Hedwig and the Angry Inch starring Darren Chris. And I was very excited. And bought tickets for November 2nd. And I know it was November 2nd because there was a Penguins and a Ducks game that night. And I'm a big Penguins fan. That's hockey for all you theater nerds. And so I decided to go to the show instead. So I did. Went. And as you know, in Los Angeles, parking is so easy to achieve and so cheap. Parked my car. Went into the theater. Went up to the ticket counter. Gave the lady my ticket. And she said, oh, this is for next week. I said, no, 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 I got it for the ninth, And she's like, yes, yes, ma'am, that's next Wednesday. Yay, me! Oops. And I missed the hockey game. But the good news is I got to watch the last game of the World Series, which I know everyone listening can relate to.
0: Yeah, I stayed up the night before that. I stayed up super late, like 3 in the morning late, watching the uh, heads up of the final table of the World Series of Poker live on ESPN then the next night, I stayed up watching the World Series Game 7. Not nearly as late, but uh, that was the height of my dorkdom, my sports dorkdom, staying up super late and getting no sleep and suffering the next day. But yeah, I think there's a lot of people at least in the same boat for the Cubs-Indians game.
1: To be fair, it was probably the best baseball finale in a long time.
0: There are a lot of people at ESPN who are experts at the history of baseball that are saying that this really could be the greatest World Series of all time when you consider the storylines going in with the Cubs having not won in 108 years with the Indians not having won since the 50s. Um, two franchises that are historically not so hot, not so good. The Cubs, you know, have had their moments. The Indians have had their moments in the 90s, um, but neither one has been great. And to have the the game, game seven, end in extra innings, the, the ultimate game, That's a great story. So yay for the movie that's going to eventually be made out of this World Series.
1: Amen. Can't wait to see who stars in it.
0: (laughs) All right. So we decided to do things a little differently. The fall season of television, um, as we've talked about before, tends to focus mostly on the major networks. Jen and I tend to like things that are not on the major networks. We have things that we like here and there, but we don't necessarily love all of the things that get the huge 22-episode uh, season orders that start airing in the fall. So what we decided to do was we decided to take a look at all of the networks and rank them based on how they achieve the mission that they're programming, that their shows say is important to them. We're not going to rank them based on, hey, this is a really good show or we like this because that's not fair. They're, you know, what the CW is doing is not the same thing as what FX is doing. So we're going to try to take what they are saying is important to them based on the shows that they are putting on the air. We're going to kind of say, are they doing a good job at this? Are they getting an A? Are they getting an F? What are they doing in terms of programming? And then, because we generally just like to rank things, we'll rank them in order based off of of what we discuss. So, Jen, we're going to do this in in alphabetical order. So we're going to start with A, B, C. We have not shared our thoughts on, on any of this, so if we overlap, that means we're right. If we disagree, that means I'm right and Jen's wrong. So ABC, Jen, when I look at these things, there is obviously um, two separate types of programming that they do. There is the comedies, and there is the dramatic programming. In terms of sitcoms, I think they do a a pretty good job of pushing the envelope and and representing populations that are not normally seen on network television, especially in comedies. Generally, if we see underrepresented populations on television, it's in dramas and it's something that they're trying to make you cry and they're being oppressed. On ABC, starting really with Modern Family, going with Blackish, now with Speechless, they really are trying to make the lives of people that don't look like you and me. Jen, we're two white people. People from you know either you know if you want to call it the Midwest or the you know the Northeast whatever you want to say it they're putting people that don't look like us on television and just making it okay you know they you can also throw in shows like the Real O'Neals that falls into that as well so I think on the comedy side of things that's what they're trying to do on the drama thing what they're trying to do is they are trying to make everything they do either about superheroes. Or something that could have been written and created by Shonda Rhimes. They're trying to make all these wow moments and all of these shows, whether it's something like Conviction, um, or the new show with Daniel Sinjata that I haven't watched that just looks terrible with Piper Perabo as well. Um, everything that they do is, tr- they try to be, for lack of a better pun, scandalous and, and they try to make it like super, kind of racy for network television is that do you think those are fair descriptions of what abc tries to do with its programming
1: yeah i do um i think that they have zoned in on an audience and they say oh this works and we're going to do this until it's dead And I think, like you said, I think the comedy game is really strong. I think not just because they're representing people that other networks aren't, Mm -hmm. but also I think the writing and the shows are really high quality. So you can have really successful sitcoms, and we'll get to CBS later, but not representative or, you know, all that stellar writing and still be really, really popular. I think ABC does a really good job at having actually high quality comedies.
0: So you said they try to focus on a very specific audience. Who do you think that audience is?
1: I don't know. I mean, if you look at just Shonda Knight, you have Grey's Anatomy, you have Scandal, you have How to Get Away with Murder. Okay, so those are three very different shows, but I think they're all appealing to the same demographic. What that demographic is, I can't. I can't focus in on that, but it is a specific group that loves those plot twists and mm-hmm. 75 different things happen in an hour that when they go and watch a show like Rectify, they're like, well, nothing's happening. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's about the slow burn. It's about the characters because they're so used to that instant gratification that ABC and Shonda and um, what are some of the other shows on there? Like Designated Survivor, like it's action packed and yeah. it's, it's, it's drama packed and that's just a specific type of viewer.
0: Yeah, and I'm going I'm to go ahead and say it. I don't think that, I'm not saying that you weren't saying it, but this is when you say it's an audience, I think they program for an educated liberal audience. I think that is true both in the comedies and the dramas. We're not really, you and I aren't really big non-scripted reality show people, so I'm, we're just kind of ignoring that stuff because that's not something that we really care about, although I do watch Shark Tank every week. We need to circle back to that. Okay, it's, it's really good. Uh, well, yeah, we can talk about that. But when you look at things like, um, let's do the Shonda shows. You got Grey's Anatomy. You had Private Practice. You have How to Get Away with Murder. You have Scandal. Those are shows that are ethnically diverse. You throw in things like American Crime and Quantico, also ethnically diverse shows. But they do have a little bit higher-minded storyline. Um, Scandal, uh, you have recapped Scandal for a couple years for Broadway World now. They don't shy away from political topics. Now, that is not at the center. This is not the West Wing, as we've talked about before. But they talk about police violence. They talk about race. Those are things that I don't see getting as much attention on an NCIS or a CSI. Um, So I think that the, the, the audience for ABC, they are going after educated liberals. And considering you and I are both college graduates and probably lean further to the left than a lot of other people, I'm fine with that. Do they always hit? No, I think I love Haley Atwell. Convictions not a very good show. Notorious the the Piper Perabo Daniel Sinjata show that I mentioned, not great. I've never seen Quantico, not my thing. But you know they generally do a fairly good job with that stuff.
1: I think what you're saying is is that what they're trying to do, they're succeeding at. Yeah, and if that's true, I agree
0: with you. Yes, I think they are programming. For that, I don't think that all of their shows are great. I'm not exactly sure what their, you know, even what their batting average would be. I think we've talked about some of the comedies. You know, Modern Families had a long run. Um, I don't know that it's as good as it was. Blackish, still very good. Speechless, you and I were kind of eh about, but we like the concept. Fresh Off the Boat is really well received. The, the Real O'Neills is really well received. But then you've got things like The Middle, which I don't watch. Last Man Standing, I can't believe Tim Allen still has a TV show. Um, the Goldbergs, people like um, Dr. Ken. Apparently, that thing is still a thing. There's something called American Housewife, which I haven't watched. So I'm not sure that their batting average is, is you know, great. Maybe, you know, in baseball terms, the batting, their batting average is probably really good. Maybe, but I think it's probably closer, you know, to 50 to 55, 60 percent, which, you know, in television might be enough to be a win. But I'm not 100 percent sure.
1: Yeah, and and like you said, like it's funny how I've never seen Less Man Standing, but isn't that kind of geared towards a more right wing audience?
0: It is. Tim 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 Allen is still um, yes, he's he's a, a conservative guy. But I th- okay, let's look at that. That is like I said, I don't watch all these. I believe that is the only multicam sitcom on ABC. I'm not hundred percent sure, so if someone watches ABC sitcoms more than I do, tell me. But I believe that's the only multicam sitcom on ABC. It's a throwback to the days of home improvement, of tool time, of even going further back than that. So there is a very nostalgic, conservative thought behind that. Not that all, you know, conservatives are are nostalgic, but, you know, the idea of being conservative means to not changing that much. You look at the other comedies on ABC; they've pretty much all gone to single cam. They're all about either um, you know you know mixed families, about black families, about Asian families, about families with um, you know dis- disabled children or gay child. It is not hur, 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 you know Tim the Tool Man Taylor stuff anymore, which I think is where Last Man Standing is still kind of pegged in that old genre.
1: That's interesting. I think it is the only multi cam. I think CBS is more famous for those, but Yeah. Yeah. So like you said, it's hit or miss. They I, they seem to definitely know what they're doing and I, I mean, I remember fifteen years ago they were kind of nothing when NBC was the reigning king. So they've really like revamped their their shows and their image and their their motivation and I think they're succeeding on every level.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, so we'll come back to the rankings, but I think we are we are on the same page in terms of what of what ABC is trying to do. Okay, in our alphabetical order, that brings us to CBS, which you just mentioned. If anyone watches TV, you know that this is America's most watched network. Now, some of that has to do with the fact that it is, um, you know, one of the mainstays of the NFL. So that helps. Um, but, Jen, let me see if I can paint this. You kind of alluded to this a couple weeks ago on our last episode, but... The dramas on CBS, they are much more in the procedural vein than we see a lot of the other networks kind of getting away from in recent years. They have a lot of crime-based procedurals. In fact, kind of looking through here, I believe that every drama on their network right now, except for two, it, it falls in the criminal. The other two is, are either politics or medical. So I think they go with the procedural crime-based dramas. And then in the comedies, they try to kind of recreate the old multicam traditional laugh track comedies. Now, I don't think that they do this poorly, to be honest with you. I don't watch a ton of them, but I like Big Bang Theory when I watch. I like Mom when I watch. Two Broke Girls I think is super cheesy, but I like the leads. I like the characters. I think the show is pretty weird. You know, and even they do have one multicam cam Uh, show life in pieces which i did not like when it first launched but i've caught a couple episodes since and i've actually enjoyed them so i think they try to do very traditional cookie cutter comedies multi-cam comedies and crime procedurals on dramas do you have any reason to disagree with those
1: well i call it the geriatric network because i know i know um it's everything my mom watches so and it's not you know, a diss or anything. It's just there's not a lot of issues covered. There's not, you know, political. I mean, the politics shows are still really green. You know, they're. Yeah,
0: they're it's very... Madam Secretary. Madam Secretary is the only real politics based show.
1: No, Madam Secretary is on NBC, I thought. Nope, it's not. Huh. Did not know that. See? Mom's favorite show. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't force anyone to, like, it, it doesn't tackle anything social, it is entertainment. It is comedy. It is drama. It is very vanilla form. And that is totally <laughs> fine because clearly there is an audience for it. There is a big, you know, constituency of people who don't want to watch TV for those things. I'm not one of those people, but there are. And um, I, I think a lot of our <laughs> keep bringing it back to politics. It is election week. But I think the right wing group can relate more to this network because, you know, liberal politics isn't being shoved on their throat. Hmm. And that is very prominent on ABC and other networks. So I think this network does really well because it stays very new- neutral when it comes to social issues.
0: Hmm. I hadn't thought about it like that, but that's uh, that's a really good point. Okay, so we're on the same page with CBS. Now we're going to bring it to A network that, if you would have told me five years ago, I would be saying this, but a network that I'm really considering putting at the top of my list, and that's the CW. The CW gen, um, they don't do um, half-hour shows anymore. They do not have a single half-an-hour sitcom on their, sh- on their network. They do have, whose line is it anyway? That they will run in different times, but that, again, that's not a sitcom. That's a, I don't know if that's really a reality show, or a comedy show, but that doesn't fit into what we're talking about. So they only have hour long shows. And the CW is also different because they only have two hours of programming every night and they only program Monday through Friday. The next network that we're going to talk about also only has two hours of programming a night, but they program six nights a week. So it does give them a little more flexibility. But Jen, the, Since I can't really divide them up between dramas and comedies, because even the more comedic shows on the CW tend to be dramedies rather than comedies. I think there's three different types of shows on on the CW. There's the superhero shows, which you know I'm a fan of. There are the things that are like superhero tangential. Things like um, The 100 and Supernatural, which I feel like has been on longer than I've been alive. You also have, um, you know, the Vampire Diaries. So those kind of supernatural type things. Then you've got the heartwarming, funny, endearing shows that have weird concepts. And they are definitely aiming, we've talked about kind of ABC, you know, aiming for the educated liberals, the CBS, for a more conservative audience. This is definitely going for either people in their teens and 20s or people who have the entertainment mentality of people in their teens and 20s.
1: Yeah, whatever they're doing, they need to keep doing it because they know exactly what yeah. they're doing. With all those three genres you just mentioned, exactly, it's people of that age. So you have your, you know, YA people who are obsessed with them, and then you have people my age who are obsessed with YA. Um, <laughs> that still follow them, but also like like you said Supernatural's been on for over 10 years and it still gets crazy ratings. Yeah. So I don't watch the superhero shows, but I never hear anything but good things about them and how people adore them and how they just get it. And it's really the only quality D- – it's DC, correct? Correct. The only quality DC products that we've seen so far. You know, the movies haven't figured it out yet. No. And um I think they're doing everything right. And like you I mean, we've made no secret of our obsession with Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and I-Virgin. I-Virgin. Wow. I Zombie on here <laughs> as, as well as Jane and the Virgin. Jane the virgin. But, but also this new No Tomorrow, I think is adorable and I think that's appealing to that same audience. You know, it's a crazy concept. It's probably a little bit unbelievable, but yet I buy it in that world, I buy it. Yeah. And um, I for me CW is just knocking it out of the park.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I appreciate the fact that they are starting to get some awards recognition as well, both with uh, uh, Gina Rodriguez winning some awards, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend winning some awards. I think that's that's great that they are starting to be taken seriously as a network. Um, and point of clarification, iZombie is actually a DC product as well. Um, it's from their Vertigo line, which is another like, a, it's just like an offshoot publisher, uh, but it is part of the DC comic universe. The iZombie that you see on... TV is nothing like the iZombie you see in comic books, but it is part it is a DC property, so you do watch at least one. Well, good for me. Now we're going to talk about the other network that only programs for two hours a night, and that is Fox. Now they do program on Sunday, which is a whole other weird thing because that is like their animation domination hour, which I don't really watch um, or two hours or however long it is now. I, I can't remember. But they tend to go for things that are uh, and especially in their dramas that are super out there, super bright and shiny, very um, glossy, um, not super believable. I- I'm looking at you, Sleepy Hollow and Scream Queens and Lucifer. Um, but they've also done, you know, fairly well, also Wayward Pines, but they've done fairly well in getting some more traditional genres like Empire on there and Pitch, you know, but they're usually big. Either extra sexy, extra sensational, extra violent um, in terms of the genres. The comedies, they've only got three comedies right now, um, not including their animated stuff. They've got New Girl, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Last Man on Earth. These are, again, very different comedies. I think they're all very good in their own way, but they're very different. Jen, you're the expert on comedies here, but I don't see a lot of through lines Between those three shows, other than they have different types of comedy that you don't really see on any other sitcoms on television.
1: No, they have really good multicam um, sitcoms. And I think the thing is, is that they attract the big stars. I feel like uh, all of those three that you mentioned have really, really unbelievable cameos in them (laughs) because of the high quality and i don't know if that's a fox thing or not but i've really fallen off the fox dramas in the past few years uh including empire which i reviewed for a long time but um i mean i only tune into fox for the comedies and you know it morally hurts my heart because it's attached to you know the fox conglomerate yeah but then also it has a big part of my heart because I, I think FX and FXX are the best, some of the best channels on, you know, available. They have some of the best shows out there. So it's more of a moral conundry for me, but I think comedies is where they're at right now. As far as what they're going for. I mean, it's kind of all over the map. Like it's, it's not as hard to, it's not as easy to see their vision as it is the CW.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think they are the network and, and look Fox is not nearly as old as the other three major networks are, ABC, CBS, and NBC. Fox is still in its, it's still in its, what, 20s? I mean, it, it hasn't been around for that long. I think it, you know, really came to life in the in the 90s. So it's still tried to be the splashy network that does crazy big things. Like, you know, I think Empire really um, personifies that. It's a show that Is glitzy. It's big names. It was going for a lot of those OMG moments like like Chandra shows get, but the substance I don't think is behind it like it is in the in the Chandra shows. Like I really don't. I never really was a Private Practice or Grey's Anatomy fan, but I I do find a lot more substance at least character wise and storyline wise in Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder. And I never watched Empire, but I don't really get the impression that that is there anymore. It might have been there early. But I don't think it's there anymore, right? I mean, that's fair to say because the first season, it was
1: all about that. It was all about the shocks and the twists and the, and Cookie and all these things. But then after, you know, you get into the story for a year or two, people want something more. And, you know, Cookie needs to not just be a cartoon. She needs to be a character with depth and you know it's obviously doing fine, so what the hell do I know? But I just didn't find it compelling enough to keep watching, and I don't do that very often. But I reviewed it for a long time, and I even told you, like, I can't watch this anymore. It's just not interesting to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's fair. All right, well, let's move on to its sister station, which you you mentioned a second ago, and that is FX. Obviously, this is the first cable network that we're talking about. We're not going to talk about we're going to talk about two cable networks. But this is one that has a much different programming mission because they run a lot of syndicated reruns. They also run a lot of actual movies at at times throughout their, their scheduling as well. But basically, when it comes to their normal scheduling, they are all about anthology series. And they are all about weird, different comedies that you couldn't see anywhere else. And they are for high concept dramas um you know i think in terms of what they're going for they do it very well we've talked about i have issues with american horror story i don't really know anyone who thinks the strain is a good show i think some people think that it is entertaining but i don't know that anyone thinks it's a good show but mainly the other shows on that network are pretty fantastic
1: yeah fx and fxx is that correct? FX yes. is more for dramas. FXX is more for comedies.
0: Uh, FX- I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I would. I would. I would agree with that. I mean, FX has Atlanta, Baskets, Louie, Better Things. To um, I me, mean, they have four fairly well-respected comedies.
1: Those are all on FXX. Uh,
0: I don't believe that's true.
1: Well, actual comedies, not dramas yes. with humor, because Atlanta and Baskets they have comedic people in them, but they are not comedies. Same with Louie. Like that is not a comedy. Um, But yeah, I think that, I think the anthology series is the best way to cater to a modern audience because of the attention spans. So like we've said before, and, and we agree that we're not big Ryan Murphy fans or American Horror Story. Clearly people like it, but that model, which Fargo adapted, I think is Mm -hmm. just perfect for this modern audience. Like, Oh, I'm going to tune in for 10 episodes and then I don't have to think about it again. And that's the way a lot of people think I'm going to binge it. I'm going to watch it all in one sitting. And then I don't have to think about it anymore. I like to follow shows for 10 years, but I also (laughs) like this anthology thing like Fargo, you know, we've made no secret that that was one of my favorite shows ever. And coming in from a Coen brothers movie, you know, people are like, (laughs) good luck. And they, they killed it. So I think, that aspect of fox is very impressive that all the risks that they're not willing to take on fox they're mm-hmm. taking on this cable offshoot and i think it's paying off everywhere
0: yeah i mean there's a reason that fx and hbo battle for the most you know award winning network is because they are doing things that you just can't do on broadcast networks so let let's talk about that jen they are very much focused now on these I don't even know how to describe it. Yes, the anthology series, but also things like the Americans that are short series or short that are short seasons, but very drama focused. But what they do on American Horror Story is very different than what they do on Fargo, and it's very different than what they do on Americans, except for the fact that I I don't know. What what where if we're saying what are they what is their goal? What are they who are they trying to attract? in terms of an audience here with this type of programming.
1: I'm wondering if, and this is off the wall, but I'm wondering if it's more geared toward, like, a theatrical mind. You know, you have something that you're completely invested in, and it's everything in your world, and then it's gone. As for the Americans, you know, it has some of those shocking scandal moments, but it's more about the characters and its character development, and that's probably Mm. one of their longer running series, if I'm
0: yeah, I mean, The Americans has been on FX since 2013, and it's going through 2018. We know it's its final season. American Horror Story is actually two years older, but that's an anthology, so that's a little different. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a show that very much is not like the others. Um, you know, American Crime Story, American Horror Story, Fargo, and The Strain, The Americans is very quiet and doesn't have the, the twists and turns and shocks that some of those other shows have, even though... American crime story, we all knew what was going to happen. There was still some shocking things in it. I would actually equate the Americans more towards... Uh, I would actually equate what the Americans does much more with what Rectify does than anything else on FX, but I still love that FX has taken a chance on the Americans and has stuck with it for this long because I don't know that a lot of other networks would.
1: Yeah, so as far as their aim... That's, yeah, their demo really that
0: they're going for.
1: It is hard to nail down because I, I can't think of a specific demo that would appeal to all of those things you just mentioned.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think again it is they are going for a fairly educated audience because none of these shows, in my opinion, maybe save American horror story, but I, I don't I still don't think that's true. But none of these are least common denominator shows. These are shows that have fairly high-minded approaches, even if they don't necessarily deliver, and even if they are weird and, and gross and you know awkward and stuff, they don't come at it from, hey, let's do the cheap thing here. Even American Horror Story doesn't do the cheap thing. They do weird, crazy things that I don't agree with and a lot of uh, uh, artistic choices they make. But they they go for things that, that make you think a little bit more. So I would say that they're at least going for a more educated audience, which, as we know advertisers want people who are educated because they have money to buy things, and so that's really what they're going for. And again, the audience at FX, because it's a cable network, is—I mean—a tiny fraction of what it is at Fox or CBS or one of the major networks. But so they don't have to worry about that as much because they do get a portion of the cable carriage fees. So it's just a different thing altogether. But I would say, just in general, they—they're going for a much more um, educated dramatically artistically minded audience. Maybe that kind of ties into what you were saying about, you know, kind of the theatrical bent to it as well.
1: It, it's also very broad, too, because it's hard to find people who watch everything on those networks. You know, like I watch yeah a lot of it, but I don't watch The Strain. I don't watch American Horror Story. But if I ask the people who watch those things, they're like, oh, I've never watched Fargo. I've never watched You're the Worst. Yeah. So it's a very broad audience.
0: Yeah, I agree. Okay, next up, we're going to stick on the, the cable, and we're going to go over to HBO. Um, HBO, if you were with us during the Emmys, won a shit ton of Emmys. For a long time, they were the reigning heavyweight champion of dramas on television, cable or otherwise. It had a dip there for a while, but they seem to be coming back slowly. But right now, they really are succeeding primarily... On comedies, things like Your Beloved Veep and Silicon Valley and Girls. Um, they have Vice Principals, which I've never seen. Ballers, which doesn't appeal to me in the least, even though I love The Rock. They still technically have Kerbier Enthusiasm. They've got some other things, um, like the, the new Sarah Jessica Parker show, Divorce. They have a show called High Maintenance. Tracy Allman just got a show on there, which I completely and utterly support. But then their current dramas, and we're, The Night Of has not been officially... A fate has not been determined, but I think that will return in some form or another, whether it's a continuation of John Turturro's character or if it's an anthology with another story altogether. I think that'll return, but that's not technically been picked up. So their dramas currently are Game of Thrones, The Leftovers, True Detective has not technically been canceled, and Westworld. Jen, we've talked a little bit about Westworld. I've watched a couple more episodes since. I have no idea what the hell's going on and I don't care to. True Detective season two was garbage. You and I both have no interest in dragons, so we don't watch Game of Thrones and we both love the leftovers. So to me, I think HBO is really trying to regenerate the drama stuff. They just like literally re uh, I mean the last day that since we're recording, they canceled Bill Simmons' show Any Given Wednesday, which was a complete ratings disaster, but really they're riding high on comedies right now.
1: Yeah. Um, With the exception of The Leftovers, I only watch HBO for the comedies. Mm-hmm. Um I, I mean, Veep, I think, still is the best comedy on television. I love Silicon Valley, but also they're, they have the masterpiece, and that's Last Week Tonight. And yeah. that, for me, is the main reason to turn into HBO. Other than that, I feel like they've had kind of a fall from grace. Like, they were kind of the king a few years ago. And I know Game of Thrones is great, and everyone yeah, loves yeah, it. Blah, blah, Ugh, but blah, blah. I don't care. And Westworld, I feel like... I feel like people are going to get really tired of it really quickly.
0: Oh, um, I'm there. I'm there. Yeah.
1: And yeah, and you are. But, you know, people are like, oh, I know it's going to pay off. I know it's going to pay off. I, I don't know if it is. And I think that that's going to get really tiring. So, like you said, I hope that they can reinvent dramas that don't have to deal with dragons and, you know, <laughs> become relevant again in that aspect because their comedy games on point.
0: Well, and, and again, even more so than FX, who kind of has a ton of syndicated you know, reruns that, that buoy it. HBO also does a lot of unscripted stuff, a lot of documentary-type series um, with like Hard Knocks and Vice and Vice News, and they've got The, the Real Time with Bill Maher and Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel. But Last Week Tonight is, if that's not a must-watch show, I don't know what is, and that one's so interesting because they put the damn thing up on YouTube the day after it airs, which is such a bonkers move for a premium cable network. Not even just a cable network like FX, but a premium cable network. That's such a crazy move, and they have to see that this is such a beloved and integral part of a lot of people's viewing that they think that that will attract them to the network. So that's a crazy, brilliant move if that works. But right now, we love The Leftovers. I wanted Westworld to be good. It's not. But again, because they are a premium cable network, they're going after people with with, with money. They are a fairly outside-the-box network. So again, they're going for people that like things a little subversive as far as I'm concerned. If you watch Game of Thrones, apparently... We don't watch it, but apparently there's a, a lot of nudity. There's a lot of incest. There's a lot of uh, violence. True Detective, weird, weird show with lots of subversive things. Leftovers, obviously... Westworld, obviously. Um, Veep, not necessarily subversive in those ways, but definitely subversive in a comedic way. Um, Girls, I think is safe to say, is in the same vein. Silicon Valley, I don't watch, so I don't know if it is. But I think they try to go for people who are a little more sarcastic, a little more subversive, who like to see things that go very much against the grain of normal pop culture.
1: It is very highbrow comedy, and I am not a fan of girls. I just think it's abysmal. But um, I've never seen a whiter version of Brooklyn. But I think that my mom would watch Veep or Silicon Valley and not get it, or think it was the stupidest thing ever. It's very, and I'm not saying my mom's mm-hmm. stupid. She doesn't listen. Right. But <laughs> um, but she, it's very highbrow. It is the way you know my friends and I talk and it's it's very vulgar, which I appreciate because that's how people talk. I imagine those conversations going on in the White House. I imagine those conversations going on at tech companies and and I think it's more um like extended realism, you know like hmm. this it, it's it's a little bit cartoonish, but I think it's based on a lot of reality and I feel I feel like Julia Louis Dreyfus had even said once that she spoke to someone in the White House and said that Veep was way more realistic (laughs) than the West wing ever was. So I don't know. I appreciate those comedies a lot. No secret there, but for me, that's where their strength is right now.
0: Yeah. All right. Fair enough. All right. Let's move over to your favorite network, the national broadcasting company. They are full. What's that? Awful. Oh, (laughs) well, they were at one point the preeminent network in just about everything, but especially in comedies. Now, if you look at NBC's schedule, they have three comedies for the whole year. That's all they got. They've got the Carmichael Show, which I think you and I—I I think you, yeah, you 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 enjoyed as as well as much as I do. I think I like the other two shows, the other two comedies, much more than you do, which is crazy sauce. Um, but I really like Superstore. I don't think you care for it all that much. Uh, but that seems to be a much that's not a hatred. That's just a eh, right? Correct. Yeah, because you hate a lot of NBC stuff. But that was just a little eh. In um, The Good Place, I did not think I was going to like it after the first few episodes. I am so all in with The Good Place um, that I'm surprised. I gave no, up I, very quickly. I
1: like, I like The Good Place a lot.
0: Yeah. Um, I gave up very quickly on the other comedies I tried to start watching this year. Um, but the good place has, has kept me coming back. In terms of the dramas, do they're all about the franchises? They've got like 19 shows based in Chicago. Um, they still have, uh, the Law and Order Special Victims Unit. They've got The Blacklist, which is getting a spinoff. Then they've got, um, some other, uh, medical police crossover shows, The Night Shift, Shades of Blue. But then they've got some things that are just outliers, which gives me a little bit more hope when I look at the programming on NBC. And these happen to be the shows that I watch on the network. You'll make fun of me for this. I really like Grimm. It is nothing but escapist, you know, fun. There's nothing too serious about it. I really like the actors on it, but I like Grimm. Then there's Timeless, which stars Abigail Spencer, which Is a pale comparison to Quantum Leap, which I enjoyed far more, which also got a shout out on Jane the Virgin this past week. But it's actually really good. There's some, they're starting to weave some things in. I have some theories about what's going on. Um, They're starting to weave, you know, some interesting storylines in to kind of get it off of the procedural side of the show. So I'm really enjoying that. And then they have This Is Us, which I've only seen the first two or three episodes. I'm still a little behind on that. You called it emotional porn that you were avoiding, but I appreciate the attempt to do something outside of Chicago. Not that I have anything against those shows, but just I appreciate the attempt to push the envelope in terms of storytelling. So for NBC, I feel like their comedies are, I don't, I don't know. They're so different. The Carmichael show is basically an updated Cosby show without a serial rapist at the head of it. Um, Superstore is kind of like the office in Walmart and the good place I mean I've compared it to you know we said um it's kind of like my name is Earl meets pushing daisies but I don't know that that's an apt comparison anymore now that we've seen more of the of the of the first season. So I don't really know how to describe that. So those comedies are all in their own worlds. In terms of the dramas, I feel like they like they're going for a a little more sophisticated version of CBS's audience. There's a lot of procedural aspects of it. There's a lot of super good-looking people on it. Um, so it's like they're looking for the people who would be cbs audi- CBS's audience in twenty years. They're a little younger. They're a little more savvy. they They like things a little more risky, but it's still pretty much the same approach as as CBS,
1: yeah, actually, that's a good way to put it. I think it is a younger version of CBS. And I don't like NBC. I it used to be my favorite. I'm a huge friend in Seinfeld, and all of that musty TV was so me. You know, 20 years ago, like uh, Cheers and Frasier and all that I loved. And I think it just lost it. And their promos are what turned me off. I think they're awful. They tell the entire story in a promo, including the last five minutes of every show. And it makes me crazy. And then they canceled Community and I was out. So I do watch The Good Place. I think it's really unique and I am sticking with it. It's not must-see TV for me. I usually catch it on demand on the weekends, but I always love it because, you know, Kristen Bell is infallible. And um, the only thing I watch regularly on NBC is Saturday Night Live. What's that? Saturday Night Live.
0: I'm I'm unfamiliar with this program.
1: It's a sketch show, and it's been on for 40-some years, and it goes through its highs and lows, its ebbs and flows, but for some reason... This year, it has been stellar. Every single week, they've just been killing it. High-profile hosts, top of their game musical guests. This week, it's Benedict Cumberdat- Cumberbatch. Like there was an online petition to get him to host the show. Well, and Doctor Strange opens today, so you know he would do it. But and then in two weeks, Dave Chappelle yeah. and a tribe called Qu- Quest. Like yeah. they're killing it right now. So that's the only reason I stay connected to NBC.
0: Um, I want to know when there will be a David S. Pumpkin spinoff movie. Exactly.
1: They're still putting out viral things that, I mean, that blew up so fast.
0: And I don't get it. I saw
1: four people dressed as that in Hollywood on Halloween. How do you make a three-piece suit out of pumpkin material in a day? I don't get it. (laughs) But it blew up, and it's just, that's the only, that's the only... Thing I still respect about NBC.
0: Yeah. I will say for The Good Place, um, we we bought into this show because of Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. I do not know anyone else from the supporting cast coming into it, but they are fantastic. Um, William Jackson Harper as Chidi, uh, Jamila Jamil as Tahani, uh, Manny Jacinto as Jason Mendoza, who's not actually John Yu. Um, you've got Darcy Cardin as Janet, and then you throw in Adam Scott, who of course we do know as the, the bad places, Trevor, and then Tia, uh, Tia Sarkar as the real Eleanor Shellstrop. Like all of these people have completely won me over. So I, I love everybody on the show and they all have kind of that same vibe that Kristen Bell and Ted Danson were giving me because I'm coming back for everybody, not just the main two big names.
1: And I love that. That's what they should be doing. I love shows full of known names that all of a sudden you're like, oh, these guys are really great. Like You're the Worst is a really good example of that where mm. it was all no names and they're all fantastic. Yeah. So they should be doing that. I love that guy that plays Cheaty. He's so great.
0: Yeah, they really are really good. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to see what happens uh, moving forward. But let's go to our final network. And this is the one that... We weren't 100% sure if we were going to keep this in there because it's not really a network. It is a streaming service, and that is, of course, Netflix. But when it comes to quality television programming, you can't have a discussion and a ranking without Netflix. Um, The thing with Netflix is, is they spend ungodly amounts of money to create new programming because they know at some point, because Netflix is becoming a huge cultural force at some point when contracts expire networks are not going to want to allow them to watch their archived shows anymore. So they are spending literally billions of dollars to create their own original content so that they always have libraries to get people to come and watch. To me, Netflix is now more about television than it is movies. It's impossible to try to characterize everything that they do but if you kind of just break it down, the dramas, you've still got House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, you've got Bloodline for another season, um, you've got Stranger Things, you've got The Get Down, The Crown, which just came out yesterday, but when we are recording. And then you've got The Series of Unfortunate Events, with which Neil Patrick Harris is coming out. Then you've got the Marvel Cinematic Stuff, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, The Defenders. Then you've got a lot of comedies. You've got Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Grace and Frankie, White Hot American Summer, that whole series. You've got Master of None, You've got Love, Flanked, The Ranch, Lady Dynamite, Easy, Haters Back Off, which I have to see if you've watched that. Um, You know, they've just got a whole bunch of stuff, and it's so all over the map. Really, to me, what they're doing is they are trying to blanket everything so that at some point, everybody's like, hey, I want to watch that show on Netflix. I'll spend the however much it is, 12 bucks a month now. To, to watch Netflix. Yeah, I can do that. That's worth it. So they're really just trying to blanket the pop culture world so that there's something on their streaming service for everybody.
1: You are making them sound a little bit like a monopoly, but I'm okay with that because if I have Wi-Fi and Netflix, I'm fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like years. Yeah, exactly. And and the thing is is that we didn't include Hulu cuz they're just kind of getting into the original stuff, but you know, they've uh, you know, they're a much different thing because they're not doing as many um original shows although they have done some you know we like the path i think we were both kind of lukewarm on, on 11 22 63 but i mean they are doing their own stuff which but they're just approaching things in a much different perspective so I, not necessarily monopoly but they definitely want to have their own inventory which is great because it's really good mostly right
1: Hulu definitely, and I think we need to include Amazon in that conversation as well. Sure. Um, because obviously, Transparent has taken off like unbelievably, but they're also having—you know—they have the show that you don't like that I love. Um, I wish I could think of the name of it.
0: Mozart <laughs> in the Jungle.
1: There you go. Um, but they're starting to come out with their original. They have a new show that just came out, um, Good Girls Revolt, that's getting great reviews. So it I think is. Hulu and Amazon are going to start to give them some competition as far as streaming. And I mean, we've talked about it for a long time, but streaming is going to overtake network television. It's just a matter of time. And these are the three giants that seem to be at the head of it.
0: Yeah. And and I don't, when you say it's going to take over television, I I don't know what that means. I think network television will adapt. There's a reason that network television has the budgets that it does, and it's been around for, you know, since the beginning of, well, television. So I think they'll adapt. I just think that it's, um, they're going to adapt towards streaming so that they're both kind of, you know, they figure out a way to, to do it on their own. Um, but yeah, I agree. Okay. So now that we've kind of talked about each of these things, Jen, um, are you ready to kind of, do you feel comfortable enough to rank them?
1: Well, I'm going to give an honorable mention before I start ranking them because okay. you blissfully ignored AMC and, um, yes. I would be remiss if I didn't mention them because, you know, The Walking Dead is my favorite. And I think that they are not the pioneers, but definitely one of the first of the cable channels to kind of start doing original programming. Lifetime and TNT and USA have Mm -hmm. all followed suit and all now have quality shows like Mr. Robot and Face Motel and all these other things on these cable networks. But I feel like AMC was the driving force behind that, saying, yeah, we can during the days and the weekends, we can show all these old movies and it'll be fun. But let's start creating some original content. And what did the Walking Dead premiere got 19 million viewers? Like, Mm -hmm. they're doing something right. So honorable mention AMC.
0: I, yeah, we definitely should have included them, but I don't really watch anything on there, so I don't know that I would get um, the the ability to, to talk too much about it. But yeah, that's very fair. So do you want to just do your your eight through one?
1: Well, I only did the top three.
0: <laughs> okay, that's fine.
1: My number three would be FX slash FXX. Um, because of everything I mentioned before, uh, their comedy game and their – Dramedy, if you will, game, as well as the anthologies, I think are, are really um, recreating a new um, superior le- level of television. Okay, number two would be Netflix for the conglomerate that it's become and the library. And when I'm stuck on a plane for five hours and I have Wi Fi, I'm fine. It's fine <laughs> because of Netflix. And you're right, it's so much more about TV now. Like, I can't remember the last time I watched. A movie on Netflix. If anything, I find stand-up comedy, which it's also excelling in, a stand-up comedy or, you know, catching up on a season of a TV show. I think that they're, it's a force to be reckoned with. And my number one, which I have a feeling will be the same, is yours is The CW. Because I don't think there's a clearer mission and I don't think there's a clearer success than what they want to accomplish and how they succeeded at it.
0: Okay. Mine, I did go ahead and rank them all. I went number eight is uh, CBS. Number seven is HBO because there's a lot of misses on there. Uh, Number six for me is Fox. Number five is NBC. Number four is ABC. Uh, Number three is Netflix. Number two is FX. And you're right. Number one is the CW. I have been Um, Blown away by by what they've done in in the last uh, three years, adding what I think are incredibly deep and intelligent shows, adding really well-crafted superhero shows. Those two things should not go well together on the same network. You know, they have a, a superhero show every night of the week, Monday through Thursday. And I don't watch Arrow just because I didn't start watching it, but the other three I've watched from the beginning. They're all great. Um, and then you throw in iZombie that's coming back in January, and then you've got Jane, you've got No Tomorrow, and and you've got Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. You like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend more than I do. I like it. I don't love it, Um, but I really, really like it. I love Jane the Virgin, and um the fact that they are able to do all of these things and do them very well and then there's the weird supernatural shows that I don't watch but I respect the fact that they were in there too so again i Jen, I, I think we just said that the CW is the best network on television
1: And if you had, uh, you know, the sporting almanac, would you go back and place money on the fact that we would have said that five years ago, even five years ago?
0: Or when the WB and the UPN merged into the CW, when it was, Mm -hmm. you know, like Felicity and Dawson's Creek and One Tree Hill and Girlfriends and all of these shows that were completely disparate. uh, But they've come together to make a network that is just, in your words, knocking it out of the park. Amen. Apparently, Jen and I had a lot to talk about on this subject. So what we're going to do is we're going to divide this episode of Sunlight Like It Pop into two. This is part one, and part two will come out next week. In that episode, Jen and I talk about the documentary Hamilton's America— We talk about the recent airing of the Rocky Horror Picture Show on Fox. And we also talk about the recently returned best show on television, Rectify. And as always, we'll end that episode with show and tell. Thanks for listening and check back in with us next week. Alright, well that's all we've got. Thanks for listening to this episode of Broadway World's sound Like It Pop podcast. You can find all of our episodes on broadwayworld.com and you can get new episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, so make sure to subscribe, download, and share the gift that is sound Like It Pop. Also, do our egos a favor and follow the show on Twitter at S L I P Podcast, and go over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and rate and review us, please and thank you. We invite you to get in touch with Jen and me and let us know your thoughts on the show's movies and topics that we discuss every week, and if you need more of me and your ear holes, check out today on Broadway from Broadway Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, or BroadwayRadio.com We will be back sometime soon with our next list of Palooza, kind of down our top 10 favorite show tunes of all time so until then, we'll see you around the Broadway world
1: It is a younger version of CVS CVS, wow
0: <laughs> not, Dwayne we- not Dwayne Reed or Walgreens <laughs> CVS Ugh, you're
1: the devil